choosing the U.S. president by mail or casting your ballot from your smartphone. What do you think of that? California Governor Gavin Newsom just signed an executive order allowing registered voters in the USA's most populous state to vote by mail. And he's ordered that ballots be sent to them for the upcoming November general election. Giving them the choice uh, not to feel like they have to go into a concentrated, dense environment where their health may be at risk, but provide an additional asset and additional resources by way of voting by mail. And it's not just in California. The push is on to bring voting by mail to your state. But what are the ramifications? Well, here to share some thoughts is Eric Eggers. Mr. Eggers is the research director of the Government Accountability Institute and author of Fraud, How the Left Plans to Steal the Next Election. Hi, Eric. It's good to see you again. And I know you wrote recently that buried on page 643 of the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act is funding for states to conduct elections by mail. Please explain, because I think many people thought those funds were to be used only during the COVID-19 shutdown emergency. Yeah, thanks, Gary. It's very interesting how the Democrats have attempted to use this global pandemic and unprecedented crisis in our country's history as an opportunity to reshape our election laws. And I think uh, all you need to do is look at that first effort pushed by Democrats. Luckily, it wasn't codified into the final law, but Democrats absolutely attempted to not only mandate national all-mail balloting, but also legalize the collection of what we call ballot harvesting, which is the third-party solicitation and collection of ballots. So uh, it if they had gotten their way, it would have been major changes to the way America conducts elections. But even though it hasn't been made national law yet. Many states, as you just noted, are doing it, starting with California. And a big part of mail-in balloting is also, as you mentioned, third-party delivery. Tell us about that and why we should be concerned. So ballot harvesting is, uh, is this kind of, it's been in the shadows for a long time in American elections. But California, ahead of 2018, became the first state to legalize the practice by which somebody can come to your door and help you uh, fill out a ballot request form. And then they can also then come to your door and then collect the ballot after you've received it and filled it out. And then they promise to deliver it to a polling location or drop-off center. Um, it's interesting because while California has said the practice is legal, uh, many states actually say it's illegal. You may remember the election in 2018 in which a U.S. House race was not certified because a Republican candidate was found to have used that same practice. In North Carolina, it's illegal. In California, it's illegal. But I think the, the main concern, right, is the idea that, um, you know, you wouldn't trust someone, you wouldn't just hand your wallet and say, hey, take this to the bank for me. But, uh, but Democrats are now asking people to trust their ballots to these political operatives. Another push is to eventually allow people to cast their ballots right from their smartphones. Now, that seems reasonable, convenient. So, Eric, what's the risk to election integrity with that voting method? Well, it just depends on how effective the states have been at developing technology. Uh, one of the things I realized in the research for the book is that America remains a third world country when it comes to election technologies. Some states like West Virginia have successfully used aspects of blockchain technology to do pilot programs for mobile voting, specifically for members of the military from overseas. But um, I'd be very surprised to see states be able to ramp up the technology so quickly. I mean, these, this is, we're a country that struggles to even just use regular 
uh, ballot counting machines. Many of those machines are decades old. So uh, to, to fundamentally shift the way that we might be able to do uh, cell phone voting, hey, I, I support anything as long as you can do the technology and do it safely. But then, you know, uh, who's to say that the person that owns the phone is the person ca uh, casting the ballot? There you go. And all of us remember those hanging chads, don't we? Well, two summers ago at the DEF CON Hackathon Conference, remember an 11-year-old boy managed to change election results on an imitation Florida State voting website. That's an 11-year-old boy did that in 10 minutes. So how easy is it to alter election results electronically? What do we need to do to secure electronic votes? That's a great question. I think it's one of the reasons why so many people are pushing for paper ballots, right? I mean, while the election databases may be vulnerable to hacking, uh, the only safeguard I think you have against that is to make sure you have a verified paper ballot as a record, because as far as I know, 11-year-olds or other foreign actors can't manipulate those yet. Some states now are doing away with voter ID laws. Right here in Virginia, Governor Ralph Northam recently signed legislation repealing the requirement that voters actually show an ID before casting their ballots. And I know the argument has always been we need to make it easier for people to vote. Voter ID laws disenfranchise people who don't have IDs. What do you think about that? Yeah, there remains this tension between uh, voter accessibility and voter security. But the reality is this. There's no evidence that requiring voter ID has infringed or diminished uh, the, the productivity of minority voters. In fact, many states, including Georgia, saw increases in minority voting after implementing voter ID. And the sad fact is that voter ID is one of the few safeguards that we have. I think it's far from sufficient, but it's one of the few mechanisms we have to try to ensure that the person that's casting the ballot is actually the legal voter on the voter rolls. Uh, I mean, if you wanted to get on an airplane or purchase an alcoholic beverage or even ironically attend the last Democratic National Convention, you would have had to show a driver's license. So I find it a bit ironic that uh, many Democrats don't feel like you should have to show an ID in order to cast about the most sacred act in American democracy. Okay, I'm sure we'll be hearing more from you as we get closer to the general election. Eric Eggers, Research Director of the Government Accountability Institute and author of Fraud, How the Left Plans to Steal the Next Election. Thanks for being with us, Eric. Thanks, Gary.